Shalom, and welcome to It's All About the Aliyah. Carrie, we've got a lot to unpack today, so uh, we better get right to it. Yes, we're um, building a case, and we're building each episode builds on the other, but you can watch each episode on its own and still get the full effect of it. But we're building toward Jesus. Uh, our, Our history is building up and leading toward Jesus. And um, where have we been? Well, we we looked at a word, Aliyah. And we're going to find out Jesus made Aliyah. Yes, and is. what's in a name? We looked at uh, Israel. Mm. And uh, where does it say forever that the Jewish people get the land of Israel forever? We looked at the story of Abraham and in Genesis uh, we looked at definitions of who is Jewish. Yeah. Who does God say the Jews are? We like that. <laughs> uh, and who does Israel say the Jewish people are? We That's important because of what's going on, because of the Aliyah. And when God says go, you ought to go. Uh, yeah. And a, yes, Abraham's our role model. And... Uh, he up and went, and uh, many of the Jewish people are following his lead yes, and yes. Uh, returning home to Israel. Yeah, four four thousand years ago, that promise was made, and and we still have uh, Jewish people from all over the world heeding that call still today. Isn't that incredible? It's incredible, and uh, today we're going to look at Jesus because last time we talked about God is going to restore all things, and Jesus is part of that restoration. Uh, Jesus is, that's the name that uh, we Christians in the West call him, Mm -hmm. Uh, but Christians around the world call him uh, a name in their own language. Mm. And uh, and including the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, Yeshua. and Yeshua, which so, is which has become kind of a universal language in my when you know in my circles, you know when you when someone speaks Hebrew, we all understand what they're referencing, you know, especially his Hebrew name Yeshua. Uh, it breaks down the barriers for believers uh, with the language barriers, doesn't it? It it does. And it's like, um, oh, okay, so Christians growing up in middle America, his name is Jesus. And if you haven't traveled or you haven't met other people, other Christians, you don't realize that his name sounds different yeah. in different languages, including Hebrew. And in Hebrew, it's Yeshua. So um, we want to build bridges uh, using words and language. And Jesus in Hebrew is Yeshua. Yeshua. You know, you talk about him being part of the restoration process, a huge part of the restoration process, obviously. But what we're talking about also is restoring his identity. We're, we want to bring some restoration to the identity of Yeshua, or better known as Jesus, to the American world or the English-speaking world. Uh, we do. There's um, now when I became a believer at age 32, I started reading my Bible um, 
many times over and over. And I saw Jesus is connected to Israel. Right. I saw that in order to have Jesus, you needed to have Israel. Amen. In order for there to be a Bethlehem, a place for him to be born, uh, there had to be an Israel. Um, Mary, his mother, a young Jewish girl, mm -hmm. uh, there had to be Israel. Israel was the time and place for the Messiah to come. And there were so many um, indicators that he was going to come. There is going to be a Messiah. He is going to come and he is going to come to the land of Israel. And it's all over in the book that we call the Old Testament. Well, amen. You know, okay, what you're talking about is putting him in context, right? I mean, you know, Jesus didn't just appear you know from a bubble out you know out from outside of of time and space and just all of a sudden appear on the earth at a random time no rather there was a specific time the fulfillment of god's time uh a specific plan a specific people you know you often hear me say god needed a man he needed a people and he needed a place in order to bring about the restoration of all things and bring about the redemption of the world and that is all tied together. And that's what we're really talking about here. The context of Jesus' first coming and his second. Yes. You know, um, uh, we can find Jesus all over the scriptures uh, with because we're on this side of the cross. And um, we've, we've got um, the whole Bible uh, to look at. And we see that... Um, his his coming was foretold as far back as Genesis Amen. and also in the Psalms and then also by the prophets. Um, and Micah said he was going to be born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem, yeah. the fruitful. Uh, you know, uh, you mentioned Genesis. I'd love to point something out here. Genesis 49.10 in particular um, is a, is a uh, prophecy of Messiah. Um, Isaiah 49.10, I mean, um, excuse me, Genesis 49.10 says, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh comes. And to him shall be the obedience of the people. Now, some might read that Shiloh, but uh, in, in Israel, we say Shiloh. Um, but that is an epithet of Messiah. And interestingly, the authority that belonged to Judah, this is a, this is a, uh, a, a prophecy from, from Jacob to Judah, that he would, that his seed would hold the authority in Israel up until the Messiah would come. Well, do we, we know that during the time of Jesus' birth, Herod was a false king. He was not the true king of Israel. He was not from the tribe of Judah. He was Indomian. And therefore, you have this break in the line of authority from Judah, and there's the perfect window for the Messiah to come. This is a beautiful prophecy made thousands of years before his birth. Yeah, he's from the tribe of Judah, um, not Levi. Right. Uh, not from, even though he was a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek is a, a picture yeah. of Jesus. No, he's from he's from the tribe of Judah, um, which is represented by the lion. 
Amen. Amen. Yeah. Well, that's, a, that's a good start. We've got a lot more to unpack. Uh, we're up against our first break. Uh, let's take that now and we'll be right back. All right. In his dream, Jacob saw the angels ascending and descending on the ladder to heaven. Joshua and the Israelites were commanded to go up to take Jericho. Pilgrims sang Psalms of Ascent as they went up to Jerusalem to celebrate the feasts. And Jesus, the Anointed One of Israel, went up to the Mount of Olives to pray, thus changing the history of the world forever. On behalf of Ezra International, we want to welcome you to this Bible study about Aliyah, the Hebrew word for to go up, to ascend. We're so excited for what you're about to learn. This course has been compiled by experts with decades of hands-on experience in the prophetic restoration of the Jews to their land. The lessons are systematically arranged to help you understand the scriptures regarding the return of the Jews to Israel and how we, the Gentile believers in a Jewish Messiah, have been called to join the Lord as He brings His children home. It is our prayer that you will purchase this workbook and join us in this marvelous work of restoration of Israel. Just as the God of Israel is calling His people to ascend to the land that He promised them, He is calling Christians to participate in His glorious plan. To receive this workbook and increase your understanding of God's end-time plan, go to EzraInternational.org and click on Store. You'll see Aliyah. Understanding the Return of the Jewish People to Israel Workbook. Order yours today and partner with God and Ezra International in bringing the Jewish people back home. All right, welcome back. We are talking about Jesus and his Jewishness, for lack of a, of a better term. So, Carrie, um, we were talking about uh, the prophecies. Uh, let's 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 look at Jesus himself and his life uh, as a as a rabbi. Uh, well, um, speaking of rabbi, you know, a lot of times I'll go and speak at women's events or at local churches. And I'll say, um, how many of you talked to your rabbi this morning? And they look like confused and said, well, I did. I had a long conversation with him. And uh, rabbi is a title that they gave to yeah. and still do to teachers. That's, that's excellent. I love that you do that. That's perfect. Uh, well, uh, immediately it jolts, it jolts the audience into um, thinking, oh, Oh, and we can even read our, um, our our scriptures, our New Testament scriptures, and we see they call them rabbi. Yes. We're not just being some kind of, you know, Israel shofar flag people. Um, <laughs> we're, um, we're, it's it's straight from the scriptures. Of course. And, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, Luke chapter 4 is a perfect example. Uh, we read uh, in Luke chapter 4, verse 16, that he went into the synagogue as was his custom. And, of course, he took the Torah scroll and he read from it. I mean, this this was who he is. Yeah, he's, he's a rabbi, and he's a healer, and he's a miracle worker, mm. and he is wise, and he is good, and he teaches, and he uh, 
taught the 12, the 72, the multitudes. Um, he, he is, uh, Jesus is Jewish and he is the anointed one. That's what Messiah means. Amen. Mashiach in Hebrew. Mm-hmm. Uh, we say Messiah or um, in our Greek New Testament, it's Christ. Right. So right. he's Jesus Christ, Yeshua Ha, the Mashiach, the Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus, the anointed one, the Savior, the Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Amen. Well said. A lot of beautiful titles. Uh, you know, Isaiah uses that uh, title often, the Holy One of Israel, to identify, uh, you know, the Father in, in heaven and, you know, his key representative, his anointed representative, his personification on earth, Yeshua, Jesus. Um, it, it can uh, We can also give that title. He is a Holy One of Israel, the Holy One of Israel. But now, Gary, I want to ask you this. Um, a friend, um, mm. an old timer in uh, Galilee, uh, runs a gas station, the first gas yeah. station in all of uh, the Galilee. His name's Avishai. And uh, Avishai would help us do service projects over there. And he pulled me aside one day. He goes, in his broken English, he speaks Hebrew, but he speaks uh, English, broken um, English. And he says to me, Carrie, why Jesus no Jewish? Why he Christian? <laughs> mm. That is that is a prevailing thought because that's how he is viewed. I mean, Carrie, if I walk into my local Publix, that's a, the you know Florida uh, grocery store on uh, at Easter time and I'll, Easter time, you all you see is Easter bunnies and eggs and things of that nature, and and it's very for a Jewish person, it's like wait a minute. What does that have to do with Passover or with, you know, with our God? It's very foreign uh, to them. Um, I have a, a Jewish, an Orthodox Jewish guide who who I purposely asked the question, when did Christianity, when was Christianity born? And he said 325 AD. And we'll have oh. to... And we'll have to unpack that maybe in our third section here today. But that's that because he sees sees Christianity as a completely different religion. So therefore, this Jesus that Jewish people will see is is not not Jewish. He doesn't have Jewish origins. He has somehow become the God of the Christians. Something happened along the way, and the 300s um, was a, a definite turning point. Yeah. And um, I remember when, well, when I first became a believer at age 32 and started to read the scriptures over and over again, I just saw Jesus as a continuation of the whole story. Amen. And, um, a, a very key figure and um, the son of God, the anointed one of Israel, but it was all connected. It, it wasn't this half and this half. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, um, it, it, it all tied together. And um, 
it wasn't like I was taught when I grew up in a mainline denomination. I really wasn't taught that much about Jesus. Well, you you saw correctly. You you saw the way it should have always been. I mean, when we look at uh, what is it, Acts chapter twenty four, I believe it talks about the way. Uh, the, the, that was the sect of of Judaism, the sect of the Jewish people that lived in that first century who followed this Rabbi Yeshua, Jesus. And so there was no such thing as the church. They they still attended synagogue. There's still the temple still existed. So the big question is then what happened? How did we get so far away from the way? Right. What happened? Jesus is Jewish. The Bible is Jewish. It's Hebraic. Jesus grew up a little Jewish boy, observing the feast, going to synagogue, learning, right. uh, learning his lessons, um, and then teaching those lessons to all Israel and beyond. Yes. And um, and he still is Jewish. Amen. Yeah, we. I think. I think what we're gonna do is let's take the the remain after this break. We'll take the remainder of the program, and let's unpack what happened. Where, okay. How did how did we go from this movement within Judaism and this Jewish rabbi with followers and 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 many who believed in him to the the modern day Christian church that we see today? How did that happen? Let's let's unpack that in the next section. Okay. Uh-huh. All right, we'll be right back. Ezra International Global Network is now on Rumble, and you can even watch us on your Apple TV, Amazon Fire Stick, or your Roku device. It's simple. Here's how to do it. First, download the Rumble app on your device. Then search for Ezra International Global TV Network. You can watch our live 24-7 channel and our weekly shows anytime you like. Oh, yeah, and you can also go to our website, and download our Ezra International app and take us with you wherever you go. Ezra International, we're there for you. All right, welcome back. We are talking about uh, the Jewishness of Jesus and the church and what happened. Why why has uh, much of that uh, Jewish identity been lost in a large portion of the church? Carrie, uh, what, what's your thoughts on the matter? You know, I I think of a, a friend and colleague uh, who who said she she grew up in the church, mm-hmm. and a well-meaning Sunday school teacher said, "Now, boys and girls, wherever you see the word synagogue or Israel, cross it out in your mind if you see it in the Bible, and put the word church there, because Jesus came and he died on the cross." And he brought the church. Mm-hmm. And and so that's what she learned. That's how she learned it. That's something that's been passed down from generation to generation to generation. Let's let me just put a quick disclaimer in here. Um, we understand in our audience, you're probably many a wonderful Jewish uh, uh uh, Israel supporting and Jewish loving individuals out there in the churches. What we're talking about here is the is the history of the the of the church universal, the history of the institutionalized church and what happened and why so many of those traditions have been passed along to us still today. Um, Carrie, as we said in the segment before, this was a movement that starts in Judea in 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 Israel. 
uh, in the Galilee and, and all around, I mean, people following this Rabbi Yeshua. So they they let's we'll use the word church here for sake of argument, but say so that the church or this movement was centered in Jerusalem to begin with. But what happens to Jerusalem? And this is all historically verifiable. In 70 AD, the temple is destroyed by the Romans, and now you have this center of this faith uh, scattered, the people scattered. Uh, and there's a lot of history here that I won't be able to cover in such a short time. But what happens is the, the center of the faith now moves to cities like Antioch and eventually Rome, right? Praise God. Praise God. It's moving around the world, but now there's predominantly Gentiles in these congregations, more Gentiles than Jews. So with the death of the disciples um, and with this destruction of the temple and this scattering going on, all this is a perfect storm for Gentile influence, pagan influence to enter into this movement, or as we call it, the church. So, you know, debates be, uh, arise over uh, the deity of, of Jesus. The, the debates arise over whether or not they, it still should be doing some of the traditions of the forefathers. And so by, uh, you know, when you look at the after the first century, it, it, this this already started in the first century, these debates. Um, 155, I believe, was the the date of of uh, the 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 dialogue between um Justin Martyr and and uh Tri uh Trifo. It's a it's a it's a created Jewish foil that he's speaking to in this dialogue in this uh, uh this um uh, debate so to speak um over the Jewishness or the lack of uh, uh the the whether the church replaced the Jews or not. That's what this debate is about. I mean that early on. That early on. I mean, we we have writings from the the, the so-called church fathers, uh, Irenaeus, uh, AD 180, where he talks about the disinher the, the Jews have been disinherited from the grace of God. You know, this is again, th this is only the second century. Um, uh, John Christendom, who you know we know is one of the church fathers, uh, wrote uh, wrote many um, what we would call. I would I would call anti-Semitic uh, writings, and I'll get to one of those. Uh, pr prior to that was Origen, um, AD 250, uh, talked about the um, the lost sheep. That Jesus said, "I came for the lost sheep of Israel." He said, "That's not the Jewish people because they're carnal. That is the Christians because they're heavenly Israel." And you now, so we have this spiritualization going on of of Israel now it already begins um John John uh, Chrysostom I mentioned uh his writings let me read this quote it is because you killed Christ it is because you shed the precious blood that there is now no restoration no mercy anymore and no defense you have committed the ultimate transgression this is why you are being punished Worse now than in the past. If this were not the case, God would have turned His back on you so completely. Or if this was not the if if this was not the case, why has God turned His back on them so completely? That was the belief that because 
uh israel was overrun you know it was it was occupied uh it, it was no longer in their opinion that god must have turned his back on them and this supported this idea uh that that was was prevalent in in trying to unify the kingdom um you know under under the emperor constantine uh, we'll get we'll, we'll talk about that now because I mentioned in the in the first section the idea of 325 AD. What was special about that? That was the Council of Nicaea. Constantine, the Emperor of Rome at the time, trying to unify the kingdom, calls 300 bishops together in 325 AD, and they codify. They come up with a creed for this faith, now called Christianity. Again, so now you can see why my guide said Christianity was created in 325, because this creed was written, it's codified, and they've come up with a whole new way, and in, in, in uh, Constantine's words, a more convenient way to worship. Um, by 345, the Council of Antioch, Christians are banned from attending Passover celebrations. You know, this was something that, again, believers did up until this point because it was part of their faith. It was part of the feasts of the Lord. By 363, 364, the Council of Laodicea, uh, the biblical Sabbath was outlawed for Christians. So here you have this, uh, you know, back in, in uh, Constantine's day, this he's a sun worshiper, and the Day of the Lord is turned to move to the venerable day of the sun, Sunday. So all these things have, have caused a divorce from our Hebraic root uh, when it comes to modern-day Christianity. Now, with that said, I know there are many out there who understand this, and there are um Israel-loving churches and Jewish-loving Christians who get it and understand these things and are doing their best to, to bring us back, uh, and, and, and they're great supporters. But there are also uh, mainline denominational churches who have held on to these doctrines and this creed, and it has caused them to stray from being Israel-loving churches and Jewish-loving people and cause anti-Semitism and persecution and our horrid Christian history toward the Jewish people. Uh, yeah, you know, um, getting back to Sunday and the sun god, um, I, I just heard it the other day in church that Sunday is the day of worship because the resurrection occurred mm -hmm. on a Sunday. Um, so there's, um, and, and Christians will read their Bibles and, and think that, okay, the Israel of God, or, uh, in the book of Hebrews, uh, Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is better than, um, many things. It says Jesus is better. And, and so all of those things, it's understandable how, uh over the years we've separated the jewishness and um the christianity of jesus and um and yet we're missing out if we do that we're missing out 
on the meaning of some of his teachings, on the meaning of his coming in the first place, the fullness of meaning. And uh, he becomes unrecognizable as a Jew to Christians, but also to our Jewish friends. And so many Christians are like, we want our Jewish friends to know about Jesus. You know, well, uh they have to know he's Jewish. They do. Uh, and that, that could be a, a a good place to start. It would be a good place to start because that's that's a that's a non-starter when we talk about a different God, and that's what he looks like to the Jewish uh from a Jewish view. Carrie, this time again, and I say this often, but it's zipped by. We are out of time already. I hope that for our audience sake that you go back and you look these things up, check us out. We're giving you the history in a in a in just a short amount of time. So uh it takes a lot to unpack. Verify it. Verify yeah. it. Absolutely verify it. Yes. All right, Carrie. Thank you so much. Um, and to our audience, thank you for being with us. I hope you've enjoyed this and come back next time. God bless you. Shalom. Hello. 